podcast for the 19th day of July 2023. Happy glorious hump day to you. Hope you're getting humped. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter podcast, which is what you downloaded. So it's what you paid for. It's what you get. Don't forget about the uh, curse show and all the other stuff that's uh, bonus material and support the program at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. However you choose to do it. If I sound slightly different, this show is as much a microphone test as it is anything else because I get emails. Oh, yeah, I miss you interviewing people, talking to people. So I got the best thing I could get as far as people go on a moment's notice. Brian Darling of Liberty Government Affairs is on the line. Brian, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. And we're testing out my new microphone. It's a $10 special, a little lapel pincher things. From sounds I won't great. know how you say it sounds good, but I can't. I only got your word to go on, and I always said I sounded fine the other way, so I got to see what it sounds like in post. But since you know government better than most people and have worked in it for years before escaping in a hot air balloon, I thought who better to talk to because you've got a legal background, you've got a, a government background, you've got a hill background. I want to get your thoughts on this news that. Uh, Donald Trump says he has been notified that he is a target in the January 6th investigation. Um, I honestly, I don't know what they could indict him for, what they could be going after him for on this. CNBC reports, uh, former President Donald Trump on Tuesday said that he has been told he is a target of the January 6th criminal investigation by special counsel Jack Smith. Trump is the leading contender for the 2024 presidential election, blah, blah, blah. Smith already has criminally charged Trump with about three dozen counts related to retaining classified documents when he left the White House. Trump also suggested that he may soon face indictment for the January 6th probe, which is focused on Trump's efforts to overturn his loss in the 2020 election to President Joe Biden. He posted this on his True Social account. I'm not really sure. I I don't use True Social, so I, I have an account. But what do you think is going on here? Because I was skeptical last time Donald Trump said, I'm about to be indicted because it was said he posted on the Sunday, I'm going to be indicted and arrested on a Tuesday. And I thought that's ridiculous. And he wasn't, but he was indicted and arrested like two weeks later. So I don't know what's going on here or what even could be considered criminal activity. If you watch his speech that day. It had nothing to peacefully go down to the Capitol. There was no go get them and prevent them. The only thing he could be charged with is something that since you and I were talking that year, when January 6th happened, I found out about it through you. I was in a meeting with my D-bag old boss and I came out and I got a bunch of messages from you. And so I called you. You "You can't believe this is going on. And so I watched TV on my phone. It's like, oh, my God. The only thing you can accuse Donald Trump of doing is not forcefully enough for your taste. And that's really all it would be for your taste coming out soon enough and saying, what the hell are you doing? Get out of there. Because he did release a statement. Get out of there. What are you doing? And later on, we did release a more forceful station. What are you doing? Get out of there. Go home. But 
he didn't, I don't know. I don't know what crime could possibly be there. What do you make of this? Well, I mean, we, we both worked in close proximity to the Capitol and, uh, you know, you feel bad for the Capitol police officers because you know that they have a tough job. I mean, most of the time they're just kind of screening people that are coming in to see their member of Congress. But that day they were dug in trying to protect the Capitol. And so, you know, I, I, I don't like what happened on January 6th. I thought the president saying that I'll march with you guys to the Capitol. I didn't like that. I didn't like that he took forever to say stop. But when you look deep, dig down in that specific, the actual January 6th, um, it was a political controversy. It was, where's the crime? I mean, you really need to show me in the statute where the crime is. Everybody knows what he did wasn't great and it wasn't it wasn't right. But the bottom line is, was it a crime or not? Now, that's one aspect of it. Now they're looking into the the whole idea of sending bogus um, electors to state capitals to make believe that they were getting certified to kind of basically to hedge just in case there was an opportunity to get those electors um, recognized. Again, political issue. You know, this is something that the Electoral College made the decision on. Our system held up. The system, you know, worked the way it was supposed to work. And um, I just, again, you look top to bottom, where is the crime? I mean, the only possible, uh, I think, liability he has is is maybe fundraising, (laughs) where money was kind of flowing in places it probably shouldn't have. You know, when you're fundraising for, when you're pitching for one thing and the money goes somewhere else, that may be a problem, but I guarantee even in that case, if you ask the donors, they're probably just, you know, MAGA enthusiasts and they're like, ah, whatever, you know, he could use it. For Does that matter? Do, 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 do the donors have to feel wronged in order to uh, to get somebody, you know, like if you say you you asked for money for this recount and now you're using it for a, a legal defense fund or something like that. Does there have to actually be somebody who donated who makes a complaint well, usually that would be evidence. I mean, you would actually have to have somebody come in and say, look, I got an email that said the money was going to go to this legal, de- you know, to, to get the electors uh, all charged up and to work on January 6th and the money went somewhere else. You have to have somebody that would actually aggrieved that could say, I was fooled, the money didn't go where I thought it was going to go. I don't think they have that either. I mean, you look top, we don't really know. So this is probably going to end up being a sealed indictment until it gets rolled out to the American public. The only reason why we know again about this, um, that that Donald Trump is a target is because he told everybody about it. It would be secret, but for that. And so a lot of it, and, and that's the thing that kind of pisses me off about the way that the media is hyperventilating about it. They have no idea what's really going on, unless if there are leaks from the Justice Department telling them what's going on. But they're acting like they know exactly what's going to happen and that he should be convicted. And, you know, what's going to happen? Is he going to be able to um, not prosecute himself or pardon himself? They're getting way ahead of themselves since they don't even really know what's in the indictment. And, you know, even Chris Christie, who's been blasting Trump left and right, has been pretty quiet about it because he's a former prosecutor and he gets that. Speaking of Chris Christie, speaking of the rest of the field, we had uh, events over the weekend. Tucker. You know Tucker, I know Tucker. Tucker Carlson sat down with six of them and, and what the hell was that? Was that that was Iowa. It was in Iowa. 
And then the next day, a bunch of them, Donald Trump didn't go to Iowa. He didn't sit down with Tucker. He, his team said he had a previous engagement, even though this was known for three months. And uh, it's just, uh, I hate hypocrisy. I don't really, I'm going to, I'll vote for the Republican. But honestly, I just get, I mostly get sick of sycophants of anybody. Always blind loyalty to a politician is wildly stupid because they're never loyal to you. They, 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 the loyalty needs to be reversed, right? You can be inspired to work for somebody, but they've got to be loyal to you or at least some ideals that you believe in. And the uh, Trump supporters are saying, oh, Chris Christie, if you can't sit down with Tucker Carlson, because Tucker invited him to sit down and interview and he turned it down. If you can't sit down with Tucker Carlson, you can't sit uh, behind the, the oval, the, the resolute desk. And it's like, well, Donald Trump didn't sit down with Tucker Carlson. What the hell are you saying? And they said, uh, Donald Trump is too busy to go to Iowa with three months advance warning, even though still nobody knows what the hell it was he was doing. He had a prior engagement somewhere. But then the next day at the Turning Point rally, which Turning Point is a, it's basically a Trump organization. Um, DeSantis had a previous engagement. He actually did have a previous engagement. I forget where he was, but he was in, a, I think it was a fundraiser in South Carolina or something. He had things that he was doing. And the Trump sycophants said, oh, look, at DeSantis is too big of a coward to go down to the turning point thing. And it's like, well, he actually did have a previous engagement. He actually did say what the previous engagement was. That sort of stuff drives me nuts. That being said, I'd vote for either one of these men over every single Democrat on the face of the earth. But given the news that came out of both of the, there, there wasn't really any news coming out of the turning point thing. There was no, there was no question and answer. It was a typical Trump speech. The other candidates who were there gave their typical speeches. There was no conversation. There was no cross-examination. The reason that everybody had a hard time with Tucker is because Tucker demands, asks a question and demands an answer, and he follows up. So watching what you saw, you probably didn't watch it. I didn't watch it either because who wants to sit and stare at YouTube all day? But you saw clips of it. My take is that Mike Pence, he was never going to be the nominee anyway, but the clip that everybody was playing of him saying, why should I care about it? Like it was taken wildly out of context to say that he say he was saying, why should I care about what the American people think or whatever? But in any event, he did himself no favors whatsoever. Asa Hutchinson, whatever points he got for showing up were obliterated by him showing up and and what he said while he was there. I find Vivek Ramaswamy to be I don't know, a used car salesman. He's just not for me. He's very polished in that sense. And he gives good answers sometimes, but I just, I don't see a track record there to prove anything. He's, oh, I'm going to start this hedge fund to take on woke companies. And then he raised a ton of money. I'm sure he took his commission and he took on zero woke companies. And so, you know, we got a bunch of suckers out there, gave him $300 million. Uh, Tim Scott, I'm impressed with Tim Scott. I'm still not sold on Tim Scott, but I'm impressed with Tim Scott. And I thought that DeSantis did the best. Nikki Haley did pretty well, too. What was your take on this whole weekend's festivities? As the campaign really kind of started to get going. 
Yeah, I mean, Tucker is an amazing interviewer, and he really, he kind of blew up Mike Pence. I mean, he, it was odd to watch because um, he, they wouldn't look each other in the eye. Both of them would look each other in the eye. So it was a very tense discussion. They were talking past each other. And, and Mike Pence, I don't know. I, I just don't understand why he would agree to it, because he ended up kind of just rolling off talking points and filibustering. Trying well, don't they kind of have to agree to it at this point? Like. Mike Pence is so far down. He's good. They either, he'll make the debate stage next month. Trump probably won't. I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. But he'll make the debate stage. But he, he'll ultimately be an also ran, will he not? Unless, like, these guys need a boat-rocking, game-changing moment. And I don't know. That, Mike Pence is not Mr. Excitement. I'm not sure how he gets it. Yeah, no, I, I and he was showing why he's not a great candidate at that event. I mean, he really was, it was just canned talking points. Many of the things he supports are way out of step with the American people in the Republican Party. I mean, I I have a lot of sympathy for the Ukrainian people, what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, their cities are being bombed and leveled, but the way he talked about it is not the way the American people want to hear. I mean, they want to hear somebody saying, um, domestically, we have a lot of problems, and I want to take care of America first. And yes, I do care, and I, I, my heart bleeds for what's going on in Ukraine, but we either have to find cuts to spending to pay for what we're sending over there. Uh, we also have to be careful not to draw ourselves into a war directly, not a proxy war with Russia, but a direct war with Russia. And it seems like every few months we're sending more uh, weapons that seem more and more offensive as you know, with cluster bombs being the latest thing sent over, and you know they had a big debate about F-15s, and you know it's just getting a little bit too much. Where we are doubling down and basically promising to, at some point, to put Ukraine in, in NATO. These are all just just things that I don't think the American people support. I mean, they do want to see the Ukrainian people defend themselves, but they don't want to see us being so aggressive that we end up getting into a war with Russia, because nobody wins if that happens. When was the last, because one of the things that I did notice in that clip, it kind of annoyed me after a while, was Tucker kept going back to Ukraine, kept going back to Ukraine. It sort of hints at what you were you were talking about, that the American people, yeah, it's nobody wants to see anybody killed. Nobody ever wants to see anybody bombed. But we aren't electing president of the world. We're talking about president of the United States. And when it costs $3.70 a gallon of gas and eggs are four bucks and food, you can't get out of the grocery store without it costing you at least 60 bucks every single time you walk into the damn place for, for staples. It, it's a sort of a bit of human nature. One is abstract and it's abstract to us. People are dying. It's abstract to the rest of the world, except for where people are dying. And we get that. But one is immediate because it's costing us. It's hurting us. What is Tucker, I thought, focused far too much on Ukraine. But can you think of a time when a war that did not involve the United States troops was a decisive factor in a domestic election? Um. I mean, not 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 in recent history. I mean, you look at I mean, obviously, foreign policy makes a big deal in many elections. You look back to uh, 
George um, W. Bush and what happened after 9-11, his popularity shot through the roof. But we were attacked and we right. were, that's different than, say, the Soviet Union invades Afghanistan. I don't think that anybody voted for Reagan in 1980 because of Jimmy Carter's handling of that situation. They might not have liked it. They might have liked it. It didn't matter. But I don't think I think it was inflation again. I think it was the economy again that that drove more votes, even though people were being killed. Yeah. Uh, But you also had I mean, you had the Iran Contra. I mean, not Iran Contra. You had the Iranian hostage crisis, which did definitely make Jimmy Carter look just uh, incompetent. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it does play a little bit of a role, but I think people care more about domestic issues. I mean, they really care about the bread and butter issues and, and how much how are they going to fill their gas tank with gas prices still being at an elevated level. They go to the grocery store, everything costs more. It, that Those are the issues that matter, you know, whether people have to get a second job, whether their job is paying them enough. Those are important issues to the American people, far more important than a faraway war that, you know, we, we see constantly on cable news, but it's not front and center of the American people. I mean, the American people care more about sending their kids to school and not having to worry about what bathroom they go to, you know, having controversies over them swimming against uh, uh, male swimmers who are making believe they're female. I mean, those are real issues because they confront people in schools. They confront people at the grocery store. But, you know, Ukraine is an issue that definitely is important in a sense. I mean, we're spending a ridiculous amount of money on, on arms to send over there. But it's um it's not it doesn't rise to the level of the economic issues and many of the social issues that are really cutting edge issues for American voters. What do you make of how the Biden campaign has conducted itself? I got an email, a fundraising email from them this morning that they're finally opening up their headquarters in Delaware. That in Wilmington, ooh, they're finally opening their head. That's about the biggest thing that they've done so far. I think Joe Biden has done one official campaign event. Now there's a a power of incumbency that we see all the time, every time there's an incumbent president running for office where they, we're going to go to uh, Cleveland and talk about my jobs plan. And it's an official visit as president, even though you know full well that it's it's just a way for them to dodge to have the campaign pay for the travel and the logistics of it. But Joe Biden's campaign, I think, has done one campaign event. I think they went somewhere to Pennsylvania and spoke in a union hall which is about as friendly a territory as you can get. Republicans are going to various events where they're, you know, there's usually Republicans there, but not necessarily Republicans for them. And uh, sometimes they're not just Republicans there. They're actually out there campaigning, trying to convince people, whereas Joe Biden isn't even really doing the fake kind of events where I'm going to go. He's doing them, but he's not doing them at a pace that you even expect a duplicitous con man like him to do. He's not doing a real campaign in any sense. He doesn't have a campaign headquarters. He hasn't hired anybody. I mean, he's got a very minimal um, uh, campaign staff and he's not doing events. You're absolutely right. This is hearkening back to, uh, you know, the basement campaign he ran for president that um, ended up working. I mean, he's He's right back to the basement campaign. And to be honest, if you work for Joe Biden, if you were on his campaign, would you want him to do any events at all? I mean, the guy's a disaster. Every single day we see him at an event falling asleep, tripping over something, saying something incredibly stupid, sniffing young girls. I mean, he's just a disaster as a campaigner. He's a disaster 
is a is a commander in chief in the sense that nobody looks at that guy and says, "Oh wow, what a what a great powerful leader he is," because he's not. He's a mess, and it's sad. I mean, in one sense, it's sad because we have a president who's just embarrassing himself on a day to day basis, and um, I think it's going to be really tough for him to get reelected. But it, clearly, their campaign is high Joe Biden and see if we can win just because he's incumbent and hope that it becomes a referendum on Donald Trump, who I'm convinced is going to be the nominee no matter what. Yeah, no, it really is kind of a, at least I'm not him kind of campaign where they try to demonize and They're already preparing for, obviously they're prepared for Donald Trump. They seem to be doing the same playbook. It's funny watching them. Donald Trump is the worst human being. Ron DeSantis is worse than Donald Trump. He is worse than, and if somebody else ends up polling better than DeSantis, they will be the new Hitler. It is amazing to me how Republicans have the ability to, you know, you remember John McCain was the new Hitler. George W. Bush was the new Hitler. Mitt Romney was the new Hitler. There wasn't, there isn't a Republican who isn't the new Hitler. Yet that's, it still works. It won't work forever, but it still seems to be working if you just look at the polls. At what point do the American people look at that and recognize that, you know, you're being conned by the person playing three-card Monty? You're never going to find the Red Queen. And maybe you should stop with this crap and say, wait a second, it's about what you're going to do as president. Because as yep. president for four years, you kind of sucked. Yeah, no, it's uh, the American people are smart and, and they'll see through a lot of this garbage that's being pushed out by the Biden administration, all their economic data is, is laughable. I mean, when they talk about these big economic numbers and, oh, look, inflation was really low in the last quarter. Well, that doesn't get rid of the inflation we had over the last year. I mean, <laughs> just because inflation is slowing doesn't mean that you got rid of the inflation of the past. It's, right, it's cumulative. It's cumulative. So yeah. you're kind of screwed. <laughs> It's like when Biden says, oh, look, I cut the deficit in half. Well, great. It's still $1.5 trillion. It's still a lot of money. And yeah, you just tripled it, and then you cut it a little bit and, you know, just because spending expired. It wasn't because of anything he actively did. Yeah, it's a, you know, COVID. We were out of COVID. You had all this COVID money flowing out the door, and obviously that gets cut. Same thing with the economic numbers. When they say, oh, look at all the, the people that are flowing in, it's record numbers flowing into the job market. Well, yeah, when you compare it, when you use a baseline COVID, it's obviously gonna be that. But, you know, I, I just, it, when you talk about sycophants, what drives me completely nuts is when you see a lot of these former Republicans that are just so, they just hate Trump so much that they've completely flip-flopped in all their, their whole ideology. Like Joe Scarborough is just an amazing character, former conservative Republican congressman from Florida, He's a screaming liberal now, and, and you see it. Yeah, it, it isn't it isn't Trump anymore. No. Trump, I don't. I, it, it, I, what do you think it is? Because you know some of these people. Do you think it's because I was on uh, Joe Walsh's podcast, former congressman, Ugh. and he he hates Donald Trump, but he's out there like a Joe Scarborough, like a David Jolly, like a. Michael Steele, like uh, Alyssa Farah, and uh, who's the blonde, Nicole Wallace, and all these people. Wallace, yeah. These people, their their livelihoods, their substantial paychecks, are dependent upon appeasing people who hate Republicans. Now, maybe they hated Trump, 
But now they they have taken that into literally everything the Republican Party has to offer. You can't spot the difference if you're just listening to it between Nicole Wallace and Joy Reid from what they say. It is nonstop. Republicans are terrible. Democrats have the cure for what ails you, so on and so forth. And I just wonder because it's a it's an interesting psychology because these people now advocate and like the bulwark, the Bill Crystals of the world and all. These people now advocate for things that are the exact opposite of what they swore to us they wanted. And that's not about Trump. That's not about Trump. That's that's about something else. What do you think? Is it just as simple as money? Yes, it's simple as money and fame. I mean, Scarborough, I mean, you watch him and it's it's just sickening to watch how over the top he is, you know, basically Joe Biden's the greatest president we've ever had. I mean, and, and you know, I used to go on MSNBC every once in a while. I was on with J- David Jolly, former, um, another member from Florida, former Republican from Florida. You know, these guys are broken. I mean, they really are broken. They, they've gone completely, they've drunk the Kool-Aid and they are now all in on everything. I mean, they've flip-flopped on gun control and abortion. You name the issue and they have completely flip-flopped on their core belief system. And look, I don't agree with everything Trump's done. You don't agree with everything Trump's done. I've some, had some serious problems with some of the things he did as president. And I, January 6th, I, I didn't like it. But you know what? I'm still a conservative. I'm probably still going to vote for the guy. I'm definitely not going to vote for Joe Biden. And uh, I think most Americans are there. Most Americans kind of shake their head and say, oh, there goes Trump again. He's like the, the guy, you know, the grandpa that sits and screams at his TV and uh, gets all mad at the TV and just yells at the TV all day. But bottom line is, he I want him a lot more than I want Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Biden yeah. is terrible. And he's obviously, you know, he's become woke Joe Biden, too. He, this is not the same Joe Biden I remember when he was in the U.S. Senate, a well-respected moderate member who's just gone completely hard left. And so, you know, I think Trump's broken a lot of people. But ultimately, I think most Americans... Some of them just love the fact that he flips the bird basically at the establishment. You know, he's going to be on his third indictment. He's like, whatever, you know, big deal. It makes me more popular. There's a lot of truth in the fact that the American people don't give a rip about a lot of that stuff because they consider it noise. They care about what I said before, how much a grocery is going to cost. Am I going to be able to fill up my gas tank? Am I going to have a job in 20 months or next year? Uh, those are issues that matter to the American people, and they could care less if a Republican or a Democrat is in the White House, as long as if they're doing the right thing, and especially if they basically are flipping the bird at the establishment. A lot of Americans love that because that's the way we are. That's the way we're built. We don't like being told what to do. What do you make of the Tim Scott candidacy thus far? He has impressed me more than I expected to be. I still I don't see his pathway to victory, but I as far as his temperament and I, I always knew the guy was smart and everything, but his he's been under fire in, in the ways that black conservatives get under fire, the way that Clarence Thomas and you've got that idiot Keith Ellis up in uh, New, uh, in Minnesota saying that basically he's an Uncle Tom and just. That's what Tim Scott is facing, a, a Joy Reid. They put a nice black face on it so it's acceptable because you can't have Rachel Maddow calling him an Uncle Tom. They can imply it, but the Joy Reid can do it. 
but he has conducted himself in his campaign thus far for having he's got the third amount of highest amount of money he's out there raising money so the more people see of him he's one of those rarities in politics the more people hear from him the more they seem to like it i'm just curious your thoughts yeah, no, I, I've been at a fundraiser for him, not when he's running for president, when he's running for re-election for Senate. And I've been to an event where I heard him give a speech about his his personal history and how he grew up. He's a great public speaker, an amazing public speaker, especially when he talks about his faith, when he talks about his upbringing and, and how inspiring, he's an inspiring American success story. And it's amazing all he's done. That being said, What's a compelling reason to vote for him for president? I don't see it. I mean, I like the guy. I don't know if I think that he'd be the greatest president because I don't really know what he stands for on, on issues from A to Z. I know that he played a significant role in 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 drafting the president's tax plan. But, you know, other than that, I, I just would like to hear him more talk deep, do a deep dive on trade issues and, and you know, nuts to bolts issues. But I just don't see a pathway for him. I just don't see where he's basically you've got him running in the real hardcore social conservative evangelical lane with Mike Pence, with a number of other candidates. And so that's, you know, I, I just don't think he wins that race. I don't think he's going to end up being the guy that evangelicals say, that's who I want to be president. I think Pence has probably done more in that space than, than anybody. Lastly, Brian, I'm going to change topics on you because there's you're from uh, the Boston area. I mock you for being a New England sports fan. The only thing worse than a miserable, the only thing more miserable than a New England sports fan when they're losing is a New England sports fan when they're winning. And uh, this story out of the New York Post, I don't even know if you've seen it yet. As stunning as it sounds, Bill Belichick could be coaching for his job. That's according to Tim Curran, NBC Sports Boston Patriots insider who spoke on the matter with uh, Rich Eisen on Monday. Quote, you talk about avoiding the hot seat, Rich. He's on the hot seat and he's been there at different levels of warmth since 2019. Eisen responded, really? He said, look at it this way. In 2019, Tom Brady wanted a two-year, $50 million guaranteed contract, just like Drew Brees had. He presumed he was going to get that. In training camp, <clears throat> it was still not forthcoming. He was like, you know what? If I don't get this thing, I'm walking out. It was explained to Belichick that that was the case. They got something done, and it was not a two-year guaranteed contract. It was two years with a team option. Then, of course, obviously, they ended up losing Tom Brady, the GOAT. And New England has not fared all that well since then. Can you envision a world where Bill Belichick is fired? Nope. <laughs> I mean, the guy's <laughs> won all these championships. He's made the Patriots, uh, you know, one of the most successful franchises in NFL history. Um, yeah, he had Tom Brady, and yeah, Tom Brady walked because they couldn't get along. But bottom line is, the guy's a great coach. He's still doing a pretty good job without Tom Brady, but I think people in New England are, are uh, spoiled because they had so many championships. And just because they're not in the Super Bowl every other year, they're pissed that, you know, that Belichick isn't taking them to the Super Bowl every year. But most of those sports writers are, you know, angry. And I'd be angry, too. I mean, I'm, I'm an angry Red Sox fan because the Red Sox are underperforming. The Bruins had the best record in the NHL, and then they choked in the playoffs. Celtics, same thing, choked in the playoffs. So, 
you know, we, we've had a good run, but things aren't so good. So I guess the Boston sports writers need to find somebody to pick on. And Belichick is the punching bag of the week. What do you think happens if they fire Belichick? They're not going to fire. Or will they, okay, they wouldn't fire Belichick. But wouldn't it be a, a uh, coach, you need to retire kind of thing? No, I don't think. I think he goes on his own terms when he wants to. I can't imagine. They would be stupid to push him out the door because he's he has been a successful coach. I mean, an amazing coach. You can say what you want about Tom Brady taking him to the promised land over and over again, but he's a great coach, and he put together a lot of those teams. He coached those teams. They were good, and Tom Brady was a big part of it, but he was Belichick was also a huge part of of all the success. So it would be very stupid to push him out at this point. The Patriots would go back to sucking like they did when I was a kid if that happens. Feel like <laughs> they'll be like the Detroit Lions and nobody wants to be like them. You know, I saw something that was really sad the other day. It was a meme posted online and it was a picture of JFK and the Detroit Lions and it said that in his whole life or uh, since he was since he was assassinated He's missed only one Detroit Lions playoff victory. That tells you a lot about Detroit. It really does. It's sad. Anyway, all right. Well, it'll be interesting to see because I don't think anybody's – I think they'll find a way to sort of invite him to leave. I think that that's the way – I don't think that he gets to stay as long as he wants if he's not winning. Sooner or later, you got to say you got to go. Look, the Tigers were brought to the promised land by Sparky Anderson. But after a few years of not producing anymore, and it was a significant drop-off, we lost Sparky. So you can, you'll be able to tell if Bill Belichick does the, I'm going to move on, I'm going to retire, blah, 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 call it a day, and then he takes a job with another team. If he takes a job with another team, if they want him, if it's his own terms, they'll move him to the front office, give him some honorary thing where he's just around to appease the fans. If he goes to another team, they were done with him. Anyway, Brian, darling, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for helping me test the microphone. And hopefully this audio quality is good enough that I can use it. And I don't have to record a whole show by myself afterwards because the sound quality sucks. No, it does not suck. It's it's much better than the Detroit Lions. That's not hard to do. <laughs> An actual black hole sucking is better than that. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Appreciate you listening. Don't forget patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and DerekHunter.locals.com. Check it out. Support the program. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great one.